0: cha cha What's a shot! What?
1: back and that means enough of these fireside chats it's time for interrupting and jokes that don't land this is the arsenal vision post-match podcast my name is elliot smith and you can block on twitter at yankee gunner that's right a little fireside chat between tim and clive on friday if you missed it it was quite brilliant i'm told but i say hogwash that's not what you want not what you want at all you want interruptions you want bad puns you want names butchered said wrong all that stuff yeah that's what we're gonna do Questions that actually are answers and not questions whatsoever. Yeah, we're going to do all of that. And not only are we going to do that, but the Hot mic is back. So, look, I do live commentary for the game sometimes, and we're going to include uh, all the podcast members in, in doing that soon uh, as the technology sorts itself out. But Hot mic now works on Android. It works on iPhone. It is totally free. You just put in promo code Arsenal. You can find links to it uh, in-, in my Twitter or the podcast Twitter, Arsenal v. Podcast. Um... It's going to be fun, though, because, look, in the past, the problem is like, well, I might be missing the stadium ambiance. Well, guess what? There's no stadium ambiance. So we're going to have piped-in crowd noise. There's going to be me doing the, the commentary, and I would say, why would you want anti-arsenal bias from your broadcaster when you can get anti-arsenal bias from your podcaster? That's right, so join me. Hot mic uh, Wednesday for the return of football. Paul's here. You can find him on Twitter at pause My pants. Hello, pause. woo Clive's here. You can find him on Twitter at clivepafc. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. I booted Tim for having the audacity to host the last podcast, and Scott will be on in the future. I keep saying it, and it keeps not being true, but it is true, and I promise it will happen. Um, so, hey guys, we got a press conference. This is really happening. Uh, he ditched the bookshelves. He went with the the backdrop. The what do they call it? A step and repeat in the industry. They call that a step and repeat. Um, and and he gave a press conference that admittedly was largely aubameyang related. Those are the questions that he got. You can understand why Aubameyang gave a an interview, pretty much expressing that he wasn't super happy. I think is the way you'd have to, in, um, c- construe what he was saying. You know that he wished it was done quicker, and the communication hasn't really been there. And look, he wants to win things, and any player who's honest would say they want to win titles, and that's what he's about. Um, Clive, before we get into Arteta's comments from this press conference and, and we will spend most of the pod talking about that uh, and maybe just a tiny little bit on Thomas Partey. Partey? Partey, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. Um, did you have a, a sort of visceral reaction to Yang's quotes?
2: Yeah, I, I think from from my angle, I felt, I didn't feel too discouraged by them. And the reason why, I, I thought he was making things transparent. I think back to Robin Van Persie when he said he was never offered a contract when we all heard that the other day, we just went, ah, what a of rubbish. You know, so I think that's because of lack of transparency at the time. We saw the letter and we just made our own assumptions. And you're never, you're never too sure what really happened. So when I saw Bam Rian's quotes, I thought, okay, you're letting everybody know. I also hold the keys. You're not saying I'm up for it, but I'm not saying I'm not up for it. It's a big decision for me. I have no offer because there was some chat about him, an offer being out there. And he's saying to everybody there you go. It's up to them. And I think some of the quotes from the press conference today sort of follow on from that. It's up to the club to put it into a position where I can say yes or no. And I think he just made that clear. And obviously we're all fans and we are like petrified, right? So that's how I felt straight afterwards. And I was quite happy with the transparency, particularly based on some of the recent ones where particularly Ramsey, for example, where I feel... There's been a level of skullduggery duggery trying to make sure the fans are on side with the player and the club probably did a similar thing. I felt it's lack of transparency which tries the narrative in this case, I feel Obama Yang has been open and honest and I'm happy I'm happy with that
1: Yeah, and it's a little different right because Ramsey felt like one of our own in some ways I mean he arrived as a as a kid um went through a lot with us a leg break and whatever and i I think getting Obama Yang at the point of his career where he did where we did and getting him at the point of our uh, trajectory as a club, you know, that I I think had an influence on, on how we see him and how we will see him as more of a loan, you know, more of a, not a mercenary. That's, that's too negative a connotation, but not one of our own, a player we're lucky to have and we've enjoyed, but I don't think a player that we will look back on as, you know, arsenal through and through. I, I, I certainly think it's fair to say that. And so, you know, if he wanted to go away and try to win titles somewhere else at the tail end of his career, I just don't think anyone feels we have the hold on him that we would have. Um, Paul, again, before we touch on the the quotes, though, I mean, Raul gave it real big when he arrived. We're not going to let players go into the final year of their contracts. It's just not going to happen. And now I think we have four of them. Uh, Socratis, Mustafi, Obamiyang, and who's the other one I'm missing? Um... There's another one, and and Ozil. Uh, yeah, Ozil, <laughs> and and there are different circumstances with all of them and different quality levels, but you know I think it speaks to the problem we have at a club. the The irony is that you know we never cratered when we sold sesk sold Nasri, sold Van Persie. You know we we bought other young talent, we bought some players, we bought Ozil, we bought Alexis. But once we started losing Alexis on a free, essentially a swap for Mkhitaryan, and losing Ramsey on a free, and losing players, you know, without getting value and overcommitting to Ozil because we we're scared to sell, that sort of seems where the trajectory went wrong. Is this a huge moment for you vis-a-vis Raúl showing his noose and and his ability to, to navigate these challenges? Um, and what do you think is the right thing for Arsenal to do uh, to protect our long-term well-being?
3: Is this a huge moment? No. Hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I guess, but there's an inevitability about this, I think, and it extends beyond Arsenal. I mean, other clubs are doing better at this and they're executing better than us, um, but not all clubs. Um, the the Like, you can't defy gravity to some extent, and it was Arsene a few years ago, maybe, who was the first to say, hey, you know what's going to happen in this whole... The way contracts are now and the way football going, more players are going to run it down to zero in terms of their contracts. They're just going to see their contracts out because that's the way the system is now tilted. So, I mean, I I approve of Raul's take that, um, you know, never let it go into the final year, blah, blah, blah. But what, what can you do? Let's say that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's valuation of himself is significantly higher than Arsenal's. What was our choice last summer or uh, in the January window or any time in between in terms of contracts? Um, I'm not sure what the material difference is, but it's quite apparent that if you're a really top-level player who scores a lot of goals playing for a team that's... Lacking in the success department has funds, but they're very limited. Who has the power? Who determines what happens next? To a large extent, it is the player and his agent. And then you throw in the potential difference in how they value themselves post-COVID-19 arriving. And I bet that gap's widened significantly. I do think it was very encouraging that Arteta was so upbeat uh, I mean, the guy's either deluded or he can genuinely see a, part, a path forward or or maybe it's just the right thing to say when you're restarting the season with 10 games to go and everything in the balance. But um, I there's only so much. Uh, I'm not say, saying Raoul's beyond blame. Of course he's not. And we've generally executed po- poorly uh, in contracts. But whether you're Saka or you're Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, if you were really talented or score a lot of goals, um, then you, the cards, your your hand of cards is a lot easier play than the other side. You, you got the moves there. Um, and there's still the other side of it, which is you don't want to be losing the only guy who scores any goals for your team. But if it brings in money, Arteta may look at it and say, well, you know, Aubameyang's one more player in our team who is, who has abilities and limitations. And if I lose him, uh, if if I can get another good option coming in, I may be able to get a player that suits me in terms of style. So there's a whole other conversation to be had there, but I don't think it's, yeah, I guess that's it. You can't defy gravity in the market unless you got unlimited budget or you're extremely successful.
1: Mm. I, I don't want to go... I bet you
3: find that answer unsatisfying, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think now is a good time for me to give it big on my opinion of Raul. I I think, were I to say that he is a worthless grifter, uh, a fraud with a deep voice and no substance, I feel that that would be potentially uh, hyperbolic and and unwelcome. uh, And certainly while it's possible that I do feel those things, I would never say them on this podcast at this time. So I'm going to keep my counsel at this time. Uh, but I I have concerns. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, Clive, we're, we've got the quotes rolling in, and I'm, I'm sort of stalling in a way just to make sure that there's no more meat on the, the bone as we get to it because we're recording right as the quotes have started to roll in from our Tetris press conference. But, I mean, do you share my concerns about Raul? I, I, I think that... You know, putting aside this whole, oh, he only works with his agent buddies and things like that. I mean, and Amy Lawrence is reporting, which, you know, obviously, I think there's been some people who have contested it. And I think there's some self-interest in the way that was contested. But, you know, it does appear to me that we are being helmed by someone who maybe is carrying more interests personally and relationship-wise than purely the long-term sporting benefits of the club. Is, is that fair?
2: I'd, it's, it's, an, it's an opinion And yeah. it's a debate I think think <laughs> um, it's not fair <laughs> And you know The way I see it Myself and Tim Will speak about it other I thought he's really He said something that stuck with me He sort of said what, what are their KPIs And we think about We talk about Edu At the time And I thought Well actually What is it That people care about From leadership And they really Just want to see us Be smarter And better Than our nearest Competitors they don't want to see people walking out in the free. They don't want to see strange people walking in on the free. They don't want to see people walking in injured and not playing for six months. We've done that two seasons on the trot. We don't want to see our top players, you know, overpaid, underperforming. We want to see people exiting at the right time, maybe just before they start to go to downhill, not just after us, we don't get value. We want to see a club that's just smart in the marketplace on incomings, outgoings, and development. And if you've got a little bit of time on your hands, how about improving our commercial deals as well? And and that's really it. You know, that's what we want to see, right? And we've got visibility now of our financials versus our competitive landscape. So that's it. It's really easy, really simple stuff. We're improving in some of these regards, and we have some... Trust issues with some of these regards, and I think Edit, you, you're one that's not very trusting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. well, and there's some stuff in the ether. Let's be clear. I mean, I'm not going to. I will not comment on speculation, but there's a lot of stuff in the ether that I think is is fairly negative and concerning about Raul. But the problem with referencing that is, you know, unless you're willing to go public with it, or unless it's substantiated and clear, like. You are commenting on speculation. I certainly understand that you don't want to besmirch someone's reputation purely on hearsay. So I, I try to balance those things um, you know, with what I see him actually do. And that's why I thought this might be a big moment for him, Clive, because one thing that we know is he he told us very clearly, we're not going to let players get into the final year. That's not something we're going to do. And we're doing it. And we're doing it on multiple fronts. And certainly with one huge... Uh, player in Aubameyang. So I you know, I do think this is our first moment to see whether he can make good on one of his sort of campaign promises So to speak
2: if yeah. that's fair. So what, I, what I will say is we we've got a way to go with trust with 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 Raul Well, maybe a little bit to garden to Edu, but less so because we know him, you know He's got a great left foot right so we know him so we're learning about Raul. We're not too sure how he operated previously we're not too sure how his, his track record are. So we're still trying to judge him. So there's a lack of trust there. So we can only go on what we see. And the David Louise deal is maybe one thing that's questionable, but maybe not. Right? So, so going forward, he's had a, you know, I think it would have been an interesting summer, normal. This is not a normal summer. So we have a situation where everything's pushed forward two, three months. All the contract deals that would have been signed have not been signed due to lack of clarity what's going to happen post-COVID. Now, we can only say, And you know, I went out of my house today to the shops for the first time in ages, and it looks pretty normal out there to me. So the situation is changing, right? As the shops are opening and real life is is starting to happen again, okay, so we all know the virus is still there, and it could go back, it could come back again and re-spike. But the world is trying to get back to some form of normalcy, and I think football will then soon follow suit. We're going to have a game, we're going to start seeing the players, we're going to see how they are, they're going to start talking to us to a us again about football, what they want to do, where they want to be, how they feel, are they losing games, are they winning games, and all the variables that we know and love that we've forgotten about for three months or maybe parked to the side of our brain will all come back in and start to allow us to make decisions again and drive a broader set of opinions. So I'm prepared to sit in my hands for two, three weeks to wait. I have my suspicions, but I don't really... Care, I think I really care about the next day rather than yesterday, and I think they've got a chance to prove to us during a period in it where the club absolutely needs its leadership to be aligned, on board, supportive beyond the self-sustaining model. We need a sense of alignment that the players have shown with the player with the pay cuts, by the way. So, you know, it's coming. the The light is shining earlier. It really can be shining on them soon. And there, when we start seeing our near neighbours Chelsea, opportunistically dive into the market ahead of us, and uh, stocking up good players at reasonable prices ahead of time, Arsenal fans won't sit there and watch us you know, shop at a lower a lower level shop. We're not we're not going to Woolworths anymore. We need to get back up there and start buying properly.
1: Yeah, well, that is uh, that is definitely something we have to do. And I, I think, again, the thing that makes this hard, of course, is. You have to have, you have to have nerves of steel to run one of these clubs with an eye towards the future. If you're not just, you know, a, a plaything of a billionaire. I mean, technically we are an asset of a billionaire, but not a plaything of a billionaire. Important distinction, because at some point you have to do unpopular things like sell a Pierre Emerick Aubameyang because you can't afford to lose him for free. Um, before we get into that debate, let, let's start to break down some of these quotes, and they are all on Arsenal.com now. And Paul on Pierre. Emmerich Aubameyang, on his future. Arteta says, quote, I think it is our responsibility to make him feel this is the right next step in his career. In order to do that, he needs to feel valued. He needs to feel he belongs to us and we want him. And then he really needs to believe that we can take the club forward in the way we want to do. And he is going to be a key player to do that. At the moment, I am extremely happy with how he's been performing and behaving. I have a really good relationship with him where we can discuss face-to-face a lot of things. As far as I'm aware, he is very happy at the club. He goes on on the contract situation. Well, I think in a different context, we would like to do things much quicker, but obviously we've been really tight with time and communication. These are unprecedented times. Yada, yada. We are a step closer to getting back playing football. So I think the really important quote in here, Paul, is the uh, he really needs to believe that we can take the club forward in the way we want to do, and he is going to be a key player to do that. Um, Aubameyang did reference wanting to win things. I mean, I tend to think players at this age are more concerned with protecting their long-term financial future because they know it's their last score. How much for you do you think is purely a number, and how much do you think really does boil down to the competitiveness of the club?
3: Um, You know, Aubameyang, I think, is a little different. uh, And, you know, what can you really tell? But there is all that stuff that he's, he's been good enough to play for a Real Madrid. And that's always been his dream club kind of thing. Mm. Um, but he's been at Dortmund and he's been at Arsenal and Dortmund when he was there are, were better than Arsenal are now. Um, so it's definitely about money. Uh, it's about status. It's about his last big paycheck. It's also about his last big shot to play at the top. um, And those things are often the same thing. So if you're him, why wouldn't you look at what your next, what your last move is and what your best option is? And in looking at, for example, the Real Madrid's of this world, maybe a deal comes off for him that he likes, or maybe it doesn't, but it won't hurt his negotiation with Arsenal. <clears throat> so how's it turn out? Maybe he doesn't even know at this stage. On the other hand, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And unfortunately, the sword is held in Arsenal's hand in the sense that we got this guy under very similar circumstances, which is a few years at Dortmund, quite a few years, um, proving his worth to the club and then looking to position himself to get a better move elsewhere um, with very similar kinds of statements where... You know, he li- he's good, he likes everything, but it's up to the club to kind of position themselves to go forward. And, you know, it's not really him, it's them. <clears throat> and he's been waiting to hear from the kind of thing. The words may not be exactly the same, but the tone is kind of um, positioning himself, himself with the fans while being open to a move. And... I guess we'll find out when we find out. But obviously, there's going to be a limit to our budget, which is going to impact how much we can offer him financially and also impact how much we can convince him we're about to change everything and become much more successful. We're not going to throw way more money at it than we have over the last few years. We've thrown a lot of money at it. What we can throw at it is a new coach who he's already working under. So he's kind of seen what it is that, that he's going to see going forward and yet here we are and and here he's pondering his future um i do have to remind myself though he's 31 i believe and so we'd be signing him up till he was 35 for a shitload of money and it just
1: feels like the same mistake all over again doesn't it i mean haven't we been uh, clive come back in here and then maybe let me rant for like 90 seconds (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think he—I think he's thirty-one on Thursday. Uh, I think um, he's no ordinary 30, 31 year thirty-one-year-old. We can all Agreed. see that. Athletically, he looks like a twenty-eight-year-old, twenty-seven-year-old. So, and and he's and his skill sets—he's no longer making fifty-yard runs in behind like his early Dortmund days and Saint Etienne days, where he was a sprinter from the halfway line. He's making sharper movements. He's got the ability to make. Small movements in the box and score. So, like Gary Lineker used to. So he he has got time. So if Arsenal gave him a three-year contract and and after two years he went to America or went somewhere else, then that'll be absolutely fine, right? So I'm thinking a three-year contract, Elliot. What I will say is, when I sort of look at the quotes, I do sort of sense that you know Arsenal can afford to pay a set wage. You maybe not the Earl number, but something. In the high twos, no problem at all, right? So they'll just make room in the squad to do that. But I do think he's asking for Arsenal not just to pay him a certain number, but also to match his sporting ambitions, and that means to give him some support. Make sure we do have defenders, you know. Make sure we have some central midfielders. <clears throat> I think he has some sporting ambitions, not just about winning. You can't guarantee winning, but competing and We need to be competing better than ninth in the table. We really do. And I think what he's saying is make, you know, it's not just about signing me, it's about really being competitive as a club and as a team. And that will make me want to sign. I really feel that. And I quite like it. I think that's admirable. You know, I think it's not, anyone can just take their wages. You know, we've got a certain person doing that at the moment, anyone can take their wages how much do you care about the overall group and it's the overall competitiveness and you should be driving that while are you in a position of strength. And I'm hoping that Arteta's using the, the player and his situation to drive the executive leadership. We're back there again to really start doing their jobs in a more rounded way. And we're waiting for it. And we're we're sitting here conditioned in the month of June. And these things are really happening. They're not happening. We are we're literally three months worth behind. We're in March. But our brains are saying we should be doing something soon and it, and it just isn't happening we just have to we have to adjust to that and um and i'm afraid mate we just have to trust and hope it works out
3: and yeah, can I, I nip in just before elliot's rant I, I, I mean think, it's it's probably the only sensible thing to do yes <laughs> <laughs> um because because i clive was hinting can at calming down Paul. calm him down <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've had given a lot of caffeine down.
1: guys i'm not gonna lie <laughs>
3: But I, I, I might not be able to calm Elliot down, but maybe I can extend a, a point Clive was was kind of making, which is, uh, I agree, he can't imagine that we're suddenly going to win the Champions League or the league. But what the one thing Arteta does have some control over is setting Aubameyang up to be successful, at least in his area of the game and how he plays so that he can show himself off, so that he can enjoy himself. And that kind of makes sense, out of the quotes that Arteta put in there. What Arteta could do is set up the team so that uh, Aubameyang is no longer, for example, playing from the left uh, to accommodate other players. Uh, And maybe he still plays from wide, but that the team, uh, at least in the front half of the pitch, is set up for Aubameyang to be successful, that he is the star. That's the one thing between now and and the next few months that Arteta can prove to him um, to encourage him to stay, which is <clears throat> you won't just be a star player in our team; you'll be the star player around which we build our team for the next few years. And here are the players we'll allow to profile uh, and support your talents. And here are the player here is the profile of players we're going to go out and get because we're going to build you as the centerpiece of our attack. Which we haven't really done in the past, Mr. Aubameyang.
1: Look, the problem with millennials like Paul and Clive is that they never want to take their medicine. They want everything to come easy. I'm kidding. That is a joke because they are old. It is not a joke about millennials, okay? Everybody settle down. Um, At some point, you got to take your medicine. And it's not going to taste good and it's not fun. But you can't keep using the excuse... That we're going to spend our money trying to get into the Champions League next year. And if that doesn't work, cratering the club. Everything we've done the last couple of seasons has been win now predominantly. Either we've spent huge on stars or we've spent big on overage players. We brought in defenders who are old. We bought Lacazette and Aubameyang in consecutive windows. None of it's gotten us where we want to be. Okay? Okay. As I referenced earlier, when we lost Sask, Nasri, RVP, it was all so, so painful, and nobody wants to go through it again. Alex Song, who could possibly forget the pain that caused? But we bought, we replaced, we retooled, we finished top four, we won FA Cups. The rot sets in when you plan short-term. And keeping Aubameyang, you know, look, I agree with you guys on one thing. He is an athletic freak, and he is going to be good longer than most. But if you give him four years at two hundred and twenty grand, you probably have two years of dead money. Or at least one year of dead money. And he's not going to score 26-27 goals in the Premier League at 33-34. He's not. You know, time is undefeated. Right? Father time is undefeated. It, never has it has it been any other way. And so I think, I love Aubameyang. If anybody listens to this podcast, they know he's like my favorite player in the team by far. He's the best player we've had since he's arrived. It would be a pain to lose him. But losing him with some money in our pocket that we can use to try to build a winner down the road... Beats losing him for nothing, or worse, losing him for nothing, having given him tons of money we needed to allocate other places at a time when he is moving into a declining period of his career. You just have to take your medicine at some point. And the reality is, no, we're not going to win the Champions League. We're not going to win the Premier League. We can't match his sporting ambition. We can't promise him that. And I'm not sure I even buy it. A player going into his, you know, 30s, really into his 30s, not even just entering them wants a contract to get paid because he knows it's his last one and so i don't see how we can do it and there are people gonna say oh well where would we be without his goals well where would we be without his goals and no money to replace him you know maybe you don't get an obama yang back because there aren't many obama yangs but you get something you know when signing him for another contract because you think well this year we'll claw into (laughs) the champions league well we had him this year and we're sitting ninth in the table it's not, and I realize that that's an Emery factor and the Arteta factor and all that. It, again, I just don't think it makes any sense to keep trying to push the boulder uphill one season at a time only to have it crush you rolling backwards under the weight of the bad financial commitments you've made. Especially now when money's at a premium. So, right. Right, yeah, yeah, and because then I want to get to the Saka quotes and some of the other stuff and and uh, zero in on, on a few other things Arteta had to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, what you said there makes perfect sense, and fiscally it makes brilliant sense. And when we lost all those previous players, at least we got some money back from them. We didn't like where they went, but at least we got money for them. Yeah, and probably you know, not so, enough, um, to be
1: fair. But, you
2: know. uh, but we had something to rebuild with, right? So um, we didn't, you know, we, we, we got Giroud, for example. <laughs> I'm not wishing to start no, we, got but, we, got you know, we got Alexis. We got Ozil. we got Alexis, exactly. I mean, so,
1: and I know nobody likes those guys right now, but for a while they were pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, and we, we reinvested, and players come and go. You know, mind you, yep. players, you know, there's always another player around the corner, and I'm on, always on YouTube discovering new players. What I will say is, wherever we decide to do, somebody big is going. So if Aubameyang stays, Lacazette's going. It's as simple as that, and are we going to go younger? Because you can't have two players entering their later career and on big money. It just doesn't make sense. So... What are we going to do with Erzl? Are we going to keep him away for free and let someone pick up his 80 million of his last year? You know, there are decisions to be made to rebalance our wage bill, and rebalance our ambitions, rebalance our age profile. Because, as always, in most companies, the, the highest paid players are the older players. And we've got Louise, we've got Erzl, we've got Bamian, we've got Lacazette. These are big money players. And probably Kolasnik, actually, probably, he's probably right up there due to the fact he was a free transfer. We have some work to do at a time when there is no market. This is going to be interesting. What do we do? This isn't a normal year. What do we do? There could be a situation where a club may offer 20 million for a barrier, and someone may say, do we keep him, and then let him go for nothing? Because the value of him for one more year is worth that 20 mil. Can,
1: can I make but, one point on that just real quick though, Clive? We yes, can't mate. pretend the market only affects one player, right? So if Aubameyang's only worth 20 in the new market, his replacement that we'd be looking at isn't going to be what he would have cost either. You know what I mean? If the 20, if we get less selling Aubameyang, odds are you can use that money to get more than you would have previously. You know what I mean? It's not like Aubameyang's value plummeted, but everybody else's stayed the same, you know?
3: The, yeah. the interesting thing, though, might be liquidity in that there may not be a lot of players in the market.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, sorry, Clive, I interrupted. Though no, no the, that's what we're here it, to do. It's I good. Mean, it's good honest.
2: interrupt. Good interrupt. Well, I think the way it always works, though, we tend to sell cheap and buy expensive, right? So yeah, um, Weird. <laughs> this is uh, we're back to we're back to rowl again. At all. Mm. So we're back there. We are just everyone seems to be nicking our players, but when we go in, we pay top dollar. It just needs. We just need to be smarter. And I, I, I do support the club of Aubameyang. Actually, I, I think he's more than just a, a football player. I think he's he represents a lot of what people like in Arsenal. If you look at all the youngsters today that support in Arsenal because of Thierry Henry and and Ian Wright and Patrice you need those players that give you a little bit of stardust. I, I really don't feel. You know, I do criticise Ozil, for example, for, on his output, on purely on a football analysis point of view, particularly from when he went from number 11 to number 10. There's a lot of people in the world that support Arthur because of Meta Ozil, and it's all part of our profile. So with Aban Yang and his persona and who he is, I, I quite like him. I would like to see a different balance in the team. I would like to see maybe something else rather than Lacazette. Um, purely to freshen up the attack and, and give teams new problems. So there's just so many variables. Mate. Yeah. I can't predict it. I can't predict it, and, but I'm and this I'm, is where I'm prepared I, to go either way.
1: Sorry, and this is where I kind of wish we had a Sven or something, because I would sell Aubameyang and I would let some guy with a spreadsheet buy us a 15 million pound diamond in the rough and hope for the best and, and let Martinelli play more as a striker. And use Sack on the left wing and give Nketiah some minutes, even though I'm not a huge Nkedia believer, obviously. But, you know, go for it. See what you can do. Um, build for the future. I mean, just to put in perspective how wrong we get it sometimes. Not, not me, but other people. Um, <laughs> like, we had genuine arguments online, because that's what we do online, about whether we should have been selling Alex Iwobi. There were people that were outraged we were selling him. People that were sad to see him go. Can we believe that just not even a year ago, feels like a million lifetimes ago, we were arguing whether we were right to take 40 million pounds for Alex Awobi? We just have to swallow these pills sometimes. I mean, that's one you can point to and say, we did it right. We got maximum value out of a player who wasn't going to take us to the next level. Now, I realize you have to draw a distinction because Aubameyang is the kind of player that could take you to the next level. Different situation, but I'm just saying, sometimes in the cold light of day, you can build a better team by selling uh, than by than by holding on, and I, I still think there are people that are scarred from the the era where we were a selling club predominantly, um, and maybe that era is going to be coming full circle. Because I mean, even losing Mustafi for free, you say, who cares? What's the market for Mustafi? Losing Socrates for free, who cares? But if you could have gotten fifteen for Mustafi two summers ago, or if you could get five for Socrates, or you know, just. A little bit here and there, you start buying some players that you can re- rebuild with instead of losing everybody for free. And who knows, maybe, maybe players will use Bosman's, Bosman's, whatever more, and it will be less in control of the clubs, and it will be more of a pure free agency type model like we see uh, in some American sports. So uh, a few other quotes, so let, let's touch on this one because not enough angst yet. Let's get angstier. Asked about Saka, Arteta said, We are trying, as a club, to finalize the deals that are more urgent, and are a priority for us. The ones you are talking about, Bukayo and Oba, they are both really important, not just for now, but for the future of the club as well. <laughs> Paul, we are trying. <laughs> is I mean, it's not the most glowing comment about Saka's future. I, I kind of wonder if this thing is going to go pear-shaped on us now, and I, and I sort of wonder a little bit if the wage deferment thing and Arsenal players winding up looking like the only ones who wound up doing it bar a couple other clubs, um, will, will have anything to do with this either. You just never know which players felt more taken advantage of than others. But do you have a sense on, on the Saka situation and do those quotes fill you with any more dread or you think they're pretty ambiguous?
3: Uh, well, the way you put the emphasis on the word try terrified me. But That's not how it reads, she, I know.
1: <laughs> we are trying as a club to finalize the deals. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know he's I know,
3: he's I know. explaining where the priorities are, which is to say... Yeah. Yes, Mr. Reporter, you're right. Uh, we're trying to put our emphasis on the deals that are on the bubble. And that's Aubameyang and Saka, for example. Saka is infinitely more solvable than Aubameyang. And if I'm Saka's agent, I'm saying, Saka, you, you just stay quiet for a while. Enjoy your football. Leave it to me while I negotiate you one hell of a deal. And, you know, Saka's looking around at your Jaden Sancho's and your uh, Callum hudson adoys and stuff on mm-hmm. uh, uh, Zooming Along. I doubt that he wants to move anywhere but be at Arsenal, where, uh, he, he, you know, we have a crying need for his abilities. Um, it's home. It's everything he understands right now. He just wants to get paid. Um, and he'll leave that to his agent. And, like, whatever money we're talking about for Saka here, that's the kind of money we can afford for a guy that will get better and has all the years ahead of him. So even if we overpaid for Saka, it's it's not the crime that overpaying for, say, Aubameyang would be or overpaying for half our squad would be. If we have to overpay for Saka, so be it. Uh, the downside is you instead of paying... You know, uh, whatever the sixty-five thousand per 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 uh, week in terms of salaries and some agent fees that you wanted to pay, you end up paying 80000 mm. The the only real downside is the knock-on to other negotiations for other kids in the in the squad. So that seems like a very solvable problem. And if Saka can't get his head around that. Uh, or the club can't afford to get their head around it then we're obviously in deep doo-doo or Saka probably is going to be a problem child going forward for wherever but I just I just feel Saka has always been one of those uh, I've never been that stressed about it a little stressed but not that stressed and we do have players I mean if Tierney stays fit and Martinelli and Reese Nelson come through and and keep performing etc we we have some level of cover if the guy left, and, and I'd hate to lose him, but we should get a very decent fee if he leaves. Um, that's the worst case. We have some level of cover uh, with promising youth as well, but uh, I don't think it'll come to that. Um, but it does lead into the... the Like, I'm not all doom and gloom about it. I mm. think uh, Flan, who we follow on, uh, on Twitter there, all of us in chat do, you know, he had a fairly optimistic quote this morning, and I uh, it vibes with me, which is, it's going to be a very interesting few months too. With all the downside, there's the upside, and there are interesting players, and maybe I'm a bit higher on the young players than some others. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Arteta begins to shape the team going forward. Um, but we got some problems to, to work our way through in terms of deals and negotiations, and I think the one... Unsolvable might be the Obamian one because the, the ball's really in his court.
1: Yeah, look, I, the one really cool thing about the extra substitutes and all the games coming thick yeah. and fast, we should get a really good look at the young players and Arteta should make it, if it's not mission one, probably mission two, priority two, should be to really feel like he knows what he has with some of these young players by the end of this period. Um, you know, he had glowing praise for Eddie and Kedia in this press conference. Mm-hmm. We know he likes Eddie, he says we treat Eddie as an important part of our squad. We had to make a very important decision not to let him go out on loan again after the spell he had at Leeds. I watched him train and I'm convinced that he is the right player for us to move us to the next level and that he can contribute in a big way to the way we want to play. He has been fantastic so far. That is not the comment of someone who's like plucky young kid that I think can make it at Arsenal. That's a comment that says more like, could be our striker. You know, that, that re- it really feels like he believes that. Um, and I, I think if that's the case, then this is a time he needs to really double check that, especially given that our main striker could be going. Uh, you know, and he, and he does say that with the extra substitutions, you know, we have to use the young players. We have to use them. We have some really talented young boys that are asking for chances. I'm sure at other clubs the situation will be the same, and I think at some stage we'll be forced to use some of them with the amount of games that we're going to be playing in that space of time. So, so yeah, this is this is really the chance. Clive, you know, one thing that I think with Saka that we just have to— another bitter pill we have to swallow, and one of the reasons you can't be giving 31, 32-year-olds 220, 230, 240 is— The days of being able to give the young British kid from your academy 40 grand a week to keep him when he's breaking through are gone. We have to put Saka on 80, on 100, on 120, maybe. I mean, that's the the money he's got. You know, 120 might be what it takes to keep him. But if you're putting 18 year olds on that kind of money, it puts a lot of pressure throughout the squad. You know, what, what does it take to keep a Martinelli away from Real Madrid? Does he have to be on 140? You know, I know it feels early, but that's what you have to do to make sure you don't lose your young players. So, do you, I mean, do you agree with that, or do you think that it's it's not his time for that money yet?
2: I think uh, the longest contract we've given has, was, uh, I think it was Hector Bellerin's contract three years ago. I think it was a six-year contract. I think it was quite early just over 100 a week. And, and he's quite a unique felt,
1: human being anyway, just in terms of his yeah. priorities uh, and, and principles.
2: And it was a good bit of projection. He looks good value now. It looks really good value. And I think, you know, we need to get up to those close to 100. Again, I don't think the money's is the situation. I hope it's not an issue. I, what I find really interesting is how we use the player. Again, I think it's a sporting issue. He's played a lot of time at left back. Not a lot, but he's broke through as a left back and really made an impression. He's had time at left wing. And the most interesting thing for me, he seems to... He's been tried out in a a position which I think could really be a position for him, which is the left number eight, and which basically encapsulates the attributes of a left back and uh, the skill sets of a winger and almost provides that left-sided wing fielder. Kevin De Bruyne, a tight player that swings ball in from an angle, can shoot from the edge of the area, can shift and move the ball, travel with the ball, get out of pressure. And this kid has got a lot of talent. I would throw the kitchen sink at him to keep him. I was talking to a guy on Twitter the other day, Clockend Italia, and he, he, me, and him were talking, and we both were saying about a left eight situation, and it's something I said online a little while ago. I can see him potentially being that player, and when I found him how he played in the friendly, I was really, really pleased. <clears throat> I'm really keen to see how that went, and he said he could potentially turn into our Clarence Seedorf. And I look at Saka, and I look at his body type, I look at his muscle density, and I look at him in contact, how he rolls people in jewels, how he drives away from people. I thought that's a fantastic analogy of a player. And everyone thinks he's left back and left winger, but I, I urge you to watch him, what he does in contact. When he goes into the ball with people, and how he gets away from them. When he's on the wing, he waits for them to get close, and he rolls them. He uses backside, and he rolls them around. That is the skill set of somebody that can play in the crowd scene. The fact he can play in big space as well, the fact he can assist, the fact he can score, I would throw everything at him, everything at him to keep him. Because if he's doing that at eighteen, what the hell are we going to have at twenty years of age? Mm. You know what are we going to have? We're going to have we're going to have somebody can play in three positions already at eighteen. We don't know we don't know how left eight looks, but I've got a suspicion that's going to be where he ends up, and. You just you just don't you just don't even think about it. If you've got to lose a sorry, if you've got to lose a Bamiyang, I wouldn't like to, but I, I get it. If you've got to lose Lacazette and you've got Eddie and Martelli in behind, and then what you do, you lose Lacazette and maybe buy a left winger to create the room for those players to play spend more time centrally, so you've got players who can play left, you've got players who can play central. So you buy a left sided player, you have your right side cover with um, Nelson and Pepe. And you're looking good there going forward and you've sus- you've retained the players you want to retain and you've lost somebody just to pay the bills and that's how it goes. And maybe make the Niles will fall in that category as well, to pay the bills, and that's no bad thing. And I know we get to transfer pod type podcasts, maybe we should do that one later. Oh, later yeah. But <laughs> but um that's how I would do it, and that's my ideal situation. It's not nothing against the players, it's just business.
1: Yeah. Uh Paul, you have a re- rejoinder to that?
3: uh no i'm i'm with all of that i mean i don't think it's a million miles from what i was hoping to say you want to hold on to saka at least we that's one we can afford to do the market's going to be tough out there but it's not going to be like you see like agent talking about uh how it's all going to be swap deals and trades and stuff and you're not going to see the big money moves i think that's true for uh for players who are in the middle or towards the tail end of their careers. It's particularly true of Lacazette. But, man, if you're Saka, you are the commodity the market wants. Yeah, uh, That's something, you know, 20, 30 million as a fee will get Saka bought by all sorts of clubs. So uh, I think Lacazettes, the Lacazettes of this world are going to have a really tough time. Saka is going to find himself really easy to sell in this market. He's exactly what he's affordable with massive upside. He's the guy everybody'd want to spend 20 or 30 million on getting him into their club or whatever the valuation might be. Um, But I don't think he'll want to leave. Um, And we can make it all good with his agent. We can afford to make it good for Saka. And he's a guy you'd want to hold on to. Um, But uh, And, you know, Clive's assessment of him is exactly right. You look at the guy playing uh, on the wing and you realize he can kind of do anything with the ball. He's so clever. uh, He's so quick um, that he can operate in central spaces quite easily. He'd fit the Wenger template of start them out wide, uh, get them bedded in, comfortable with the game, uh, accommodate themselves and then move themselves centrally. Um, So... You know he's a, he's everything we dreamed Thomas Lamar might be for us, mm. um. But we own him, so you you just got to make it's just got to happen. You got to make it work, um. I think he's he's got a he's got a good uh, disposition, and I think we can find an arrangement that works for everybody, and it should be doable.
1: Yeah, I mean this is the point, right? Like let's say, I don't know, you take the money you're thinking of putting thirty year olds on. And instead, you put Guendouzi and Saka and Martinelli and maybe Saliba, depending on, you know, how he, he develops or so, you know something like that, on that kind of money. And then, after they develop and maybe even win things for you because they're so good, maybe you get 270 million pounds or 300 million pounds for the four of them. I mean, what is a world-class center back, a world-class central midfielder, a world-class winger and a world-class forward worth at 24 years old, 300 million pounds or more. And now you're doing, you're doing a Dortmund because you're you're not, you know, rebuilding. You're reloading with the money to do it and, and maybe even some success under your belt. So, you know, hopefully that is a model that we can follow and we'll see. Uh, Paul, stay with you just for a second because it's an issue close to your heart. I know you are definitely – a um an Enkedia guy. You you like Inqettiya? Mm-hmm. You believe in Enkedia, Which you, by the way, nothing wrong with that. I certainly think these are glowing comments uh, about him from Arteta, and they are in keeping with everything he's shown us about Enkedia that he trusts him, that he will use him in big moments. I, I think sometimes overly so, but but certainly, if there's a striker in there that can be an Arsenal striker, that would be quite a coup. Do you do you have any sort of new? Ideas about him, Kenny? I know you've always liked him. How do you feel about Arteta's confidence in him?
3: Uh, Well, those are glowing comments. Um, Again, he's kind of leaned further into it in terms of Eddie there. Um, Makes me think that we have three strikers right now and Arteta will be happy to go through the next window with two of those strikers. If he kept Aubameyang and Eddie, he'd be pretty happy. Uh, that's what those those comments say to me. And uh, with Lacazette and his agent kind of implying they're looking at their options going, uh, in other places. Um, it tells you that what he sees in training and maybe, ha- you know, I think people think of Eddie as a goal machine, which he could be. And and for us at times has been at kind of in lesser games, lesser competitions. But what he gives... Uh, Arteta is a player that he can imprint his his style and his approach on. I think the time I think he got quite a bit of um, criticism for the fact that when he was at Leeds he didn't play that much. Implied criticism in the sense that the the loan or the player had been something of a disappointment or a failure and i always felt differently about it even if he only played a few games and he played quite a few in at the end of the day he played half games full games uh, games uh, in cup competitions etc but all of it was under bielsa and all of it left him with with a life lesson which is it's not good enough to be a bit of a stud or be a bit of a star the days when a striker could be so good that all he had to do was be great at the striking part 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 of it are gone there he was, dropped for Bamford on a regular basis, which, to be fair, he was the established player. It was already in place. He was on contract, uh, long term versus the loany. Eddie comes in trying to make the grade. Um, but what he learned was it wasn't good enough to be more talented than Bamford. You had to f- operate within the system and give every other player on the pitch in the. Uh, at least going forward, and and to some degree in defence, you have to do the work that justified your ro- role on the pitch. And I think Arteta will really enjoy having an option like Aubameyang, and an option like uh, Enketia as a striker, uh, doing the work, uh, understanding the system. And Bielsa, I think the training uh, that uh, that, Nel- that Enketia had at Leeds fight he had on his hands and he you know you could argue he was beginning to have some success in that fight towards the end of his loan. he was he, I think his last something like the last two games Eddie started now there was a little injury there but sometimes that, that's what it takes an injury with Bamford or whoever to get you in the side so mm. um, anyway lots of projection there because we haven't seen enough of him yeah I, lo- I love Eddie as a prospect I think he's a real goal scorer but I think what Leeds impressed upon him and what Arteta will leverage is the fact that he now understands it. sometimes goals ain't enough or or the hope of goals isn't enough. It's what you do when you're not scoring goals that will get Eddie on the pitch.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I would say this, and, and Clive, I'll let you have a word on him as well. But I, if you wanted to lump three players together for me, Nketiah, Willick, and Maitland-Niles, I am a skeptic on th- all three of those in that I don't necessarily see any of them being Arsenal quality. I think Maitland-Niles should be sold now. Uh, get the $20 million if you can, similar to a Nwobi situation. Don't fear his upside. Collect on him. I don't think Willick will make it. Now, Willick is interesting because physically he's he's quite an interesting um, body profile for midfield that we've lacked, and he can score goals from midfield, but I think his passing, his technical skill is not enough. I don't think his tracking back is good enough for midfield. And ketty is interesting because... As we've seen with Lucas Perez, even a mediocre backup striker can cost you a lot of money and still not be very good. I don't think his ball skills are particularly good. I don't think he's a great passer. But if he can get you eight goals a season and you own him relatively, you know, and it's not expensive, you don't have to go out and overpay for him, having a second or third striker who can get you eight to ten goals in a season and not paying for that is hugely valuable. Not to mention that strikers mature later in their career, and so you could sort of stick it out with him. I think... If I had to ride it out with a player, the one who gets goals is the one I'd go for, and that'd be Enchetti, and then I'd probably sell the other two and
3: reinvest. So, Clive, I mean, h- how are do you, you feel... you sure his ball skills aren't good? I'll, I, I'll leave that to you and Clive. I but- don't think he's
1: a great passer. I really don't. And, I mean, I, I... I, You know, obviously with any of these players, we have very limited sample sizes that we're drawing from. So I, I admit that any conclusions we draw about any of these players are, are based on limited access to, to what their capabilities are. But, Clive, I mean... Do, do you tend to agree with that assessment that if you were going to put, you know, if you had to back one of those kind of players that that's on the more of the fringe of the young players, not the superstar breakout kind of players, that you'd go with the guy who can get you some goals and have a role as a backup striker?
2: Yeah, I like, I like all three players. Um, I do sort of agree. I think the one that really interests me the most is Willock. I think he has I finally did the video out on him today um, by a guy called Brazil Scout and I, I posted it out and got a lot of responses on it and um Hey Clive
3: I, can it? I ask you a question guess how many appearances Willock has, has had for Arsenal this uh, season I was astounded it's high to about 20 31 in all competitions wow now it might be 3 minutes of 4 minutes but yeah. it, it's amazing how useful, even in a limited sense, he's been, so sorry.
2: Yeah, it's okay. Um, look, I, I think he's a talent I'm getting I'm getting used to. I'm starting to, look. I look back at a lot of games, while we've been on lockdown, and a lot of our good moments, Willick has been around it. A lot of the games that we won, Willick has played in, you know, so or had decent results in, or decent performances in. He's been around. I watched the two games at Anfield, fair enough, and have a look at those again if you can. I know we lost one and we lost them both actually, but have a look at those games again and look how he competed against very hard running Liverpool team. And he's doing that at a very young age. He's got the ability when the ball comes to him, he challenges his opponent. He challenges his opponent immediately. You know, it's like an instant thing. I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna take you backwards, I'm gonna run you backwards, I'm gonna flick it round you, get it back. Everything's on the go, everything's positive, everything's go forward. There's so many players that pass square and have good stats, but he's prepared to nick it, move it round the corner, flick it round the corner. And we just had a player gone and to you to that sort of stuff, and we used to criticize him as well, right? So so I think this boy has got something. And we just have to wait to see him develop. But the problem is, in our current system, people look at him and say, Well, what is he? Is he a ten? Well, he doesn't keep the ball like us or doesn't pass it, hasn't got that trickery. He scores goals from an attacking midfield situation. If to me, he's a free eight. He needs to be one of the eights. And it's funny enough, the other day in the Brentford game, they played Tobias deep. They played Willock one right eight, and they played uh, Saka left eight. And that's Arteta. I already like him, but I mean, he's just thinking straight away. That's the player you are. You're you're a young tearaway Jordan Henderson player. That's what he used to be when he was at Sunderland and breaking through, breaking through, scoring. Looks rough around the edges. One good pass, one bad pass, but you've got to see beyond it. you got to see beyond it. Look at his age. Look at what he's doing. Look at the goals he's scored. Look at the teams that he's trusted against. That's full of potential. Absolutely and imagine him filling out potential. a little
3: bit. Like yeah, he's, exactly. he's very skinny. Imagine like muscle and bulk. Look at the plodders that play at big teams. Your Eric Dyer is okay, you won't get too excited about them, but look at a number of the midfielders. Uh, Tottenham have used over the years
1: hey whoa 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 let's, let's not <laughs> think, do that
2: <laughs> I think when you when you when you're assessing young players look at always look at look at Eric Dyer I've always been critical of Eric Dyer but you look at his legs they're like tree trunks there is no growth there's no potential there's no movement he's got a shoulders the size of a wardrobe there's nothing there he can't keep up he can't look after the ball he can't look after the ball he plays safe he can't run backwards and when he runs forward, he can't stop he's not agile He's got a smashing shot and a smashing free kick, and, he's, and he can head the ball in the box. That is it. There's yep. nothing there. There's nothing in the future. You look at Willett. Look at look at his body shape. Look at his type. Look at his pace. Look at the slimness of his legs. Look at his agility. Look at the tricks he has. Look at the various tricks. Left foot goals, right foot goals. He needs to work on his recovery defensively. He needs yep. to do more of that. He's 20 years of age. He's not perfect. Absolutely not. But my goodness, that and yet the manager has him right.
3: So like yeah. he, he's he's listening. Uh, they feel some level of safety now. Imagine him just filling out and being this solid lump who's mobile, etc. We don't have another player remotely like that in our squad. <laughs> Somebody who's mobile, large, physical, um, takes instructions, can learn. So mm. I, I don't know. I'm with you, Clive. I don't I don't know about Willock, but I certainly haven't written him off the way certain people around here have. I haven't mm. always felt this uh, way about uh, him,
2: because I, I used to think back, and think, well, why is he getting so many minutes? He's no good. You know, this was a couple of years ago. I think, why is he ahead of maitland Niles? He's no good. I think, why is he getting ahead of Marcus McGuane? I can remember saying it. Why Why isn't Ben Sheaf getting minutes? Why is this kid getting minutes in the in the League Cup teams? And I generally questioned it, and then I have like to so look at him a bit more closely, and I'm thinking, you know what? I can see it now. I can see it clear. And uh, it's... Something I, 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 when we record, record this, once we recording it, but in a few months' time, let's have this conversation again and let's see, let's see where we are because I've got a funny suspicion we're, we're going to be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm very excited to watch. Look, one thing that's funny when we opine on a podcast, whether or not we rate a player, that's not us opining that we don't want them to succeed. It's just whether we believe it will happen. I mean, yeah. I would love for Willick to be the new ramsey Vieira hybrid. Um, You know, I would love
3: that. New Eric Dyer hybrid.
1: Fuck that. Absolutely not. Like, I want to be clear about something. Eric Dyer is a very, 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 very bad player who is bad at football and is not good. And no one should aspire to be him because he is so bad at football. Okay, I don't know if, you know, the problem is I do, sometimes I feel I'm too nuanced on the pod, and I, and my mm. message is lost, so I've tried to be a little more clear there, but maybe it didn't get through. Um, Alright, fi- final, final thing here, so Arteta had a funny line, uh, planning for Manchester City, I can't believe it, we got a game coming up, folks, and um, he says, I have to focus, I have to focus, and I have to try to convince my players to focus on what we have to do. We cannot control everything that Man City does. It's impossible, even if we want to, and I will drive the players mad in order to do that. So I just try to convince them on what we can do to try to beat them, what is the best plan possible for us to have the best possible chance to compete in the game and to win it. Let's see how much we are able to do that, because it, here it's easy, but to go there on the pitch and show it for 96 minutes is different. Uh, you know why I like this quote? He's acknowledging that you will drive your players crazy trying to control everything the opposition does. Remind you of any coach that was here before Arteta? I think Emery did drive his players crazy trying to do that for every game. And I, I like the idea that he's saying, look, you know, they're a tough challenge, and they are, but we're going to focus on what we have to do. And um, you know, that is certainly something we're looking forward to. Clive, uh I have no idea what to expect. You just there's no way to predict who will come out of the gates and look ready to play football, but I I think it is fair to say on the balance of what we were this season when the season last left us, we would not really have been much of a match for Manchester City. How are you feeling going into this one?
2: Yeah, well, like you know me, I think we're going to win every game. So I think... 10-0
1: though? 10-0? Are you as confident as I am? Because I think we're going to win every game (laughs)
2: 10-0. No, I think a couple of interesting things to note. Right, So centre-back partnership, I'm not sure who it's going to be. They'll all be rotated, obviously, for minutes. It's going to be interesting to see who he picks. Will he go with Louise and Mustafi, which potentially was his first choice pre the lockdown, or will Murray get in and Louise flip over to the right hand side? So that's going to be interesting. If you noted that Granit Xhaka really hasn't had any minutes or at all, I'm not sure if he's injured. I haven't read anything, but if he's not playing, we're going to look quite young in centre midfield. The Gwendozi comes into that. Mate, Niles comes into that. Willet comes into that. Torreira's probably a little bit behind fitness-wise. tobias so comes into that. So we're going to look quite young and light in central midfield. That's going to be. I wish
1: I looked young and light. Just, just as an aside.
2: <laughs> That's going to be a problem. Okay. In, no, in wider, in in you know, <laughs> hence why maybe he's looking at Saka inside for a bit of you know. Maybe I'm not too sure what we're going to do. Four three one or four four three, four three three. Sorry. And obviously, up front, we, we're pretty well stocked up front wherever we decide to do. We've got enough rotation players there. So, for me, it's a central defence partnership what he decides to do. But most importantly, centre midfield. I think wherever we think about Shaka, he's a constant. And we've grown used to him. And he flips into that left half position really nicely in, in the pre lockdown system. I don't see a replacement for what Shaka does. And the closest is probably Tobias. But he needs to be in an armchair, cuddled. The people around him because he's not very leggy, so we had That's my worry for the Man City game because their midfield is pretty good. Last time I looked, so that could be a worry.
1: Mm, Paul, I I assume you have no no such worries.
3: Um No, so I piece, I, this piece is of piss, a, as they say. No, no, this 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 will be all of the piss. I think we're going to get drilled. <laughs> all of the piss. Yes, <laughs> okay. it's going to be like a a constant bath and shower. Of piss. No, we're we're going to get grilled by by the the only thing we have in our favor is if they've been out so long they're not quite firing in the final third and they don't put their chances away. But they're they're so far ahead of us uh, just in the fact that it's kind of the first game back. They've an established way of playing. They have a bunch of players that can play within that system, so we can pick the players most ready. Whereas Arteta has all three problems. He's got to pick a team that can play but also stop City. So uh, his options are limited, his players are, are limited. If, if the right players aren't at the right level, he's even more screwed, and he doesn't know what he'll get if he does something different. You know, uh, uh, Guardiola's team have been through every iteration. He has two, three players who can play any role he wants them to play, and everybody knows how they play at the club. Um, this break for us would have done us no good because now your players will be confused between uh, pre-Emery, Emery and Arteta in terms of the roles, etc. I mean, sure, they're doing it in practice, but it ain't the same as in the heat of the game. So I I just think this is a game too soon for us. Mm. It's a throwaway game. It's just as well, you know, we were never going to win this. We we barely had a chance to draw this game. Um, I think our chances of drawing are better than they would have been in the in the pre- previous regular season. Our chances of winning are minuscule as they were before, so no worse than it was before, but I still think we're going to get drilled.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say about it is this this all feels like a free hit in a way. yeah, you know um, and and I don't know if that makes it better because the pressure's off. I don't know if the lack of fans in the stands and the young players, you know, will just adapt better, or maybe being a little more loosey goosey against a team that is so ruthless, you know, that extra five percent of focus that you struggle to come up with will absolutely torment you against a team that is, you know, really a well-oiled machine, right? And and maybe they're not, maybe that maybe that's the benefit. Maybe it's that the automatisms that you see under Pep Guardiola aren't really there um, yet they're not back to, to full speed. So to your point, it's hard to know what we will see. Um, I do think that I can't explain why, but it doesn't feel like there's a ton of pressure right now. Um, you know, and and, and maybe that's because what, what attenuated connection we had to, to playing for Champions League now feels even further away in the context of what's happened with the season. So I don't know what we'll have to see. I think we can leave it there. Don't forget, Hot Mike going to be doing live commentary of the game and, uh, with crowd noise and all that, fake crowd noise, just like you'd be hearing on TV, and you won't have the usual anti-arsenal bias on the TV. You'll have it on Hot Mike. Uh Paul's on Twitter. Pause with my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woo-hoo. Clive's on Twitter. Clive BFC. Thanks, Clive.
2: Thank you very
1: much. My is Alex, Timothy on Twitter Yankee. Gunner gives us a five-star review. If that's still a thing, sign up for our Patreon. We would adore you if you did that. Um, although I know these uh, times are not always easy for everybody, and if you can't do it, uh, absolutely understand. Just happy to have you... With us here, um, we will be doing our transfer specials with Clive and and some other uh, experts coming up uh, as the summer draws closer. I guess it is sort of summer already. We'll see, and uh, we may have a surprise inclusion, a, a regular supr- surprise inclusion to the pod to announce uh, in the near future. So stay tuned for that. In any event, now I can say it. Now it is upon us. It is Premier League Eve, at least vis a vis the podcast, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Maybe I won't feel that way 10 minutes into the game, but I can't wait. I hope you're excited. Football is back, and boy, do we need it collectively, all of us. We love you so much for being here with us for all the weird random nonsense through this uh, layoff, but now we can get back to the usual nonsense, and I can't wait. So we love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Manchester City Now.